Drafting Archetypes is brought to you by Grey Viking Games. Check them out with our affiliate code link in the description. Hi everyone, this is Sam Black with Drafting Archetypes, and today we are going to talk about Blue-Red in Innistrad Midnight Hunt. This is an archetype that I personally have struggled with. I, full disclosure, have only managed to draft it twice, and I have won one total match with exclusively blue and red cards in my deck. So I would not call myself an expert, but I've studied it some. I've uh, read thoughts of other people, most notably Ryan Sachs, who likes the deck, analyzed some things and played against it, and I do have some thoughts. So let's get into those. First of all, blue-black is drafted about four times as much as blue-red. Blue-white and black-white are drafted about twice as much as blue-red. This format is so polarized that blue-red is not, despite that information, the least drafted color. Gruel is drafted about two-thirds as much as blue-red. But it's definitely toward the bottom end in terms of popularity. It is also toward the bottom end of success, above only Gruel, which is even less drafted and even less successful. Uh, one might conclude even worse, but Blue-Red is not great in this format. Overall, on 17 lands, it has won 53.5% of the time, which is obviously below the average for the format, being the second lowest performing archetype. Despite the data and my own results. Anytime someone spend anytime someone says that they have played something a lot and had success with it, I am inclined to believe them and trust that that has happened and trust that they are doing something right and that it does work when you do that right thing. They're not wrong about their experiences and their experiences are presumably happening happening for a reason. And magic is all kind of about like local maxima, where everyone finds things that work for them, given how they play and how they prioritize things and any, any different ways of saying how they play. And what works for, a pers- for one person might work for someone else, but it might not work best for that other person. And it's really, really hard to know who is doing the most right things or the best things. And even if you did know that, it's very hard to know how to replicate that. And so I don't believe that Blue-Red isn't playable or can't be successful when it's done correctly. But I do believe that there has to be something that I'm personally missing. Because while drafting what looked like a very good blue-red deck that seemed to have all of the things you want in blue-red. It had enough creatures while still having a lot of spells. It had all the cards people are excited about. It had a couple of festival crashers, burn down the house, seize the storm. It uh, had some like interaction. It, it felt like it had all the right things, and I still went one through with it. Obviously, super small sample size. Maybe the deck was great. Maybe I was ha- favored against most people. But it's it's tough when 
I have similar experiences most of the time that I draft red to be like, oh, this is just a fluke or, you know, then to say, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't know how to play red. Well, everyone else also doesn't win very much with red. But again, at the same time, if anybody's succeeding with it, there has to be some way to do it. And I am still personally in the process of hoping to maybe stumble upon figuring that out for myself while also not wanting to just like train wreck a million drafts trying to do that. What do I know about red and why might this be happening and how might it work? I do believe that there is a lot of play to is it in particular. The deck definitely wants to have a lot of instants that can be used in a lot of different ways. It's definitely a skill testing and difficult play like difficult deck to play. Is it possible that I'm losing because I'm just not good enough at playing blue red? Yes, absolutely. It might just be that my intuitions and the way that I approach things just doesn't happen to line up well with what blue red wants to do in this format. Blue and red kind of historically and in general in limited often end up in this tricky spot where red tends to be very aggressive and want to like sacrifice card advantage for damage and blue wants to be very controlling and try to like leverage card advantage and what ends up happening in like every blue and red deck in a format where blue and red is like prescribed some very specific thing that matters is that you end up kind of needing to decide with each deck am i a red deck that's using blue cards or a blue deck that's using red cards if i'm a red deck that's using blue cards i'm probably playing a few blue tempo cards like bounce spells maybe an efficient counterspell of some sort, maybe some kind of some of the like weirder blue combat tricks, or maybe some of the most efficient evasive blue creatures or something like that. If I'm a blue deck that's using red cards, I'm probably just playing red removal to go with my like card advantage and any random good red creatures that exist. But mostly it's gonna follow the exact structure of like blue blockers and card draw and red removal. So blue-red kind of ends up in this spot where it's like awkwardly two decks. Sometimes you're just like in the middle and you're a deck that's maybe like a little bit defensive and then really good at turning the corner or something. I think blue and red historically are in a weirder spot in terms of lacking kind of like explicit strategic cohesion than most other color pairs, which I think is part of why in recent sets... Blue-Red hasn't performed well. And it's interesting to note that I say in recent sets when in recent sets is speaking to data on 17 lands. And I kind of wonder if it's going to be the case for like basically any set that has been, unless Blue-Red is really, really overpowered, that Blue and Red are going to have a relatively low win rate on 17 lands because of the fact that they're harder to navigate because they're strategically at odds. And it might be that just like the average arena player doesn't navigate blue cards plus red cards into choosing a strategy and pushing a direction and ending up with a cohesive deck. And they end up in this kind of like mid-range spot that their deck isn't really, they're just not optimized for anything. And they end up being a little bit low power, lower power level than they need to be. So I, I kind of wonder if just like, regardless of format, drafting blue-red is harder or just like, therefore kind of 
just generically a, a bit of a trap for less experienced players, less experienced drafters, people who haven't worked out exactly how blue-red works in that particular format, whatever. So I guess that thinking points back to any time you see a low win rate for blue-red, grain of salt, a bunch of people are probably doing it wrong. As far as what I would look at or advise to do better with blue and red in this format, I would say I'm fairly certain that it's very important to get on the battlefield early in the game so that you are best positioned to be able to leverage your instance uh, to your advantage. Um, If you fall too far behind, you need to use a removal spell on like literally any creature your opponent plays, and you start need to do that earlier. Like if you have an instant speed removal spell and you're behind, you can't go to your opponent's turn and see what happens and then maybe kill it. You have to just be like, well, I'm going to kill this and I can't take a hit from it. So as soon as they attack me, I'm going to kill it, which means that most likely if I pass the turn, the first thing my opponent is going to do is attack me. So then they'll force my hand. I'll have to play this Moon Rager Slash and kill their creature. Given that if my opponent starts by attacking me, I'm going to Moon Rager Slash it. I should just Moon Rager Slash it on my turn so that if they have a trick, they don't save their creature and do extra damage to me. That's fine. You can use your Moon Rager Slash as a sorcery. But if you do that and you drafted your deck to pass to their turn with Moon Rager Slash and Flip the Switch or Electric Revelation or some number of different spells that you can play depending on what your opponent does. Once you're in the spot where you're like, well, I'm far enough behind that I just have to kill that, you've lost all of that like flexibility and ability to react to what your opponent does. So if you start with some creatures that put your opponent in the back foot or that can block, you're more likely to quickly get to a game state where you can leverage the fact that your cards are instants. And a huge portion of the good cards in blue and red are instant. Something that I noticed when I was looking at uh, skeletons for like commons that will usually want to be played in blue-red, I looked at just like, okay, if you look at the highest win rate cards, what does that deck look like? And the answer is it looks wildly unplayable. There are like very few playable creatures that have a game in hand win rate that's as high as kind of the mid-tier instance because the instance do so well in blue-red because when you have some instance, you kind of want more, and there are a bunch of cards that explicitly reward you for playing instance and sorceries, and the creatures are just not very exciting. And I'm like, well, there's no way that I'm actually supposed to play like four to six creatures in my limited deck. So one of two things is happening. Either I'm just supposed to rely really, really, really heavily on uncommons and rares, which does hold up to some degree. Delver of Secrets is the card... Uh, in blue and red, the uncommon or common with the highest win rate, Delver of Secrets and Thermo Alchemist and a few other creatures are definitely really important to the archetype, but it still didn't seem like the, the creature count was realistic. Like I, I'm, I'm just, I should expect to have to play more common creatures than that. So what I did is I looked at what a deck looks like if you, instead of looking at the cards with the highest game in hand win rate, look at the cards with the highest opening hand win rate, because I realized that based on what I was saying before, you really want to play to the board early. Obviously, cheap creatures have a higher game in hand win rate uh, than other cards do, because you ideally want to spend turn one and two casting creatures. 
But given that I think it's disproportionately important in blue and red to play those early creatures because you don't have cards that like turn the corner well. Specifically, you don't have any creatures that really offer virtual card advantage. There's nothing you can play if your opponent just like has three eyes in play that you want to put in your deck that you can just like cast and your opponent can't attack you with their three creatures. You're just playing a bunch of like one threes and two twos and two ones and stuff. And so if you're behind, it's just really, really, really hard for you to catch up unless you have like burned out in the house. So if you sort by top opening uh, hand win rate cards, you see all the one and two mana creatures rise to the top. And then it's pretty easy to say like, okay, the, the real story here is that your deck should be somewhere between these two. And, you know, Falcon Wrath Perforator has like a pretty bad overall game and hand win rate. But like, if that's what's available to you as a two drop, you should put it in your deck because it's really important to like cast two. And I basically, I, I'm reasonably confident that so much of the way that a game with blue-red goes is determined by the early turns, regardless of how aggressive the deck is. I just think that like those first couple turns impact your positioning for the rest of the game so much that I think that you really want to draft your deck in a way that's about maximizing those early turns and getting onto the battlefield such that you are in a position to play the kind of game you need to play. Some other things. Festival Crasher, unsurprisingly, is the most played common in blue-red. It's the obvious like signpost for play this card with those like play red cards with blue cards. It's not like people don't know about that. If if you are like, oh, most people underrate blue-red because they don't know about Festival Crasher, that's the secret sauce. People people know that Festival Crasher goes to blue-red decks. It takes something beyond that to figure out like what's going on here and, you know, have a reason to believe that you've figured out something that's going to make you above average successful with blue-red. Ardent Elementalist is the biggest trap, you know, the, the sort that I've talked about before, where I look at the cards that are most played, least successful. Ardent Elementalist stands out by a lot as being much less successful than other cards that are similarly played. The body is just so much worse than Organ Hoarder, and it requires the context of having a thing in your graveyard that you want to return, and it can't give you, like, it, it's, I mean, it's just very obviously much worse than Organ Hoarder, and it's much much worse. I'm a huge fan of this kind of card. I really enjoyed Arcane Answer in previous formats. The Gitu guy from Dominaria that's like six mana for a 1-3 that does this if you kick it, but you can play it as a 1-3. I liked that card, but uh, this format is too fast and card advantage comes too cheap. Uh, this is just too bad of a rate to, for the amount of card advantage it gives you relative to what is possible in the format. Also, it's obviously just like a lot of mana to commit at sorcery speed in a deck that's really looking to play a reactive instant speed game. The same analysis, uh, there is no card that I identified that looked appreciably underplayed. The closest was like splashing for defenestrate, but that's not that a tiny sample size and not something I have any reason to believe that most versions of the deck should be doing or anything. I think that's all the big picture stuff I have to say. As far as like specific comments that are important, I don't even know that there are it's not so much that I think that there are specific comments that are important. I think that like what's important is 
just kind of generally doing something in the first couple turns so that you have things in play so that you can leverage like, oh, maybe I'm going to startle. Maybe I'm going to stolen vitality. Maybe I'm going to flip the switch or maybe I'm going to moon rager slash. Maybe if you don't play into my flip the switch, I'm going to electric revelation and just have a lot of stuff you can do and be able to like get into combat in spots where your opponent's not comfortable blocking, get their life total low such that they have to like respect that you might kill them with lunar frenzy or light up the night. But at the same time, you know, they want to be pressuring you so that you don't draw those cards, but they like have to block such they might not die. And you just kind of like keep your opponent on their toes and make it hard for them to play the game is kind of like your strategic goal. And you just want like a good mix of relatively strong cards. Obviously, consider in particular is like good in this archetype where I think it's like whatever to bad in most archetypes. And, you know, the obvious like festival crasher sees the storm type stuff that's like, oh, if your deck is full of spells, what do you want to play? Well, you want to play those and Teleproof Secrets and Thermal Alchemists and the cards that literally tell you that you should play them if you have a lot of that stuff. The most successful commons and uncommons, I mean, I, I can tell you it's like Delver Secrets, Play With Fire, which is the shock that scries if you hit your opponent, Organ Hoarder, Revenge of the Drowned, Thermal Alchemist, Overwhelmed Archivist, the 3-2 that um, loots when it enters the battlefield and has Disturb, Neonate's Rush. Neonate's Rush has throughout the whole format in basically every sort been just a little bit more successful than Moonrager Slash. Don't sleep on Neonate's Rush. It's not like this deck has a lot of vampires. You don't need it to cost two for it to be good. It's really just there are enough one toughness creatures that this is often going to find something that it can kill where it's kill a creature, draw a card for three mana, and that's really good. It's not like so good that you're going to win the game because you like draft it and cast this. I don't think it's a super high priority. It's just the kind of thing you want to be up to if you're playing red cards. It's really hard for me to say this is what it's about. This card's going to win because it's much more just about the general play pattern and like understanding your role and whatever it is I'm missing that means that I personally don't actually win with this. Uh, definitely, definitely, you know, weird episode to be like, I think there's probably something here, but I don't know what it is. Figure it out. <laughs> but hopefully there are some at least more generalized nuggets about uh, Blue Red that are useful here. So opening this up to questions from Twitch, if you have any questions, regardless of whether, well, <laughs> if I've touched on them, I don't need to hear it again. But if you've asked before or not, it you feel like it hasn't been answered, ask and I'll get to it while I'm letting people ask about that stuff. I do want to thank my newest patrons, uh, Daniele and Jonathan, and also uh, thank um, all of my all 100 of my patrons hit 100 patrons for the first time this episode. Exactly 100 right now. Really appreciate the support. Thank you, everyone. Um, if you're interested in checking that out, as always, Patreon.com/slash/DraftingArchetypes to support the show or see what benefits we offer and stuff, and see if you want to support the show. So let's take a look at some questions from chat. How much does the deck want evasive creatures like Falcon Abomination to close out the game? Like, being able to persistently pressure your opponent is good, but Falcon Abomination is, I think, a lower priority in this archetype than it is in others because 
I think a lot of the deck's strength is just in its flexibility, and Falcon Abomination really does one thing. It, like, uh, well, one and a half things. <laughs> By default, it attacks your opponent for two. The other thing it can do is basically just, like, block disturbed creatures, but it's not very good defensively, and this deck doesn't use the zombie very well compared to other decks. And extrapolating from the question a little bit would, like... If you want Falcon Abomination because you want evasive creatures to close out the game, you might think that you would also want Gale Drifter, which you don't. You would really prefer, you know, Delver of Secrets exactly, but also I think even Falcon Abomination is a much better card than Stormrider Spirit, but the gap is much narrower in Blue Red than it is in other decks. And I think that you're more comfortable with the idea that, like, maybe the way that you're winning is, like, getting rid- clearing some blockers and hitting them on the ground, or getting to the point where you just, like, play, seize the storm and flash it back and, like, win because you have the biggest things, rather than, like, oh, I have some flyers. And then in the games where you win with flyers, I think it's kind of just, like, you're basically winning via attrition which I think happens sometimes. So I don't think that they're as important as you might think, is my guess. Next question. Do trophy decks in blue-red skew more toward one and two drops or toward rares? Uh, I have not studied trophy decks extensively. My guess is that they're generally going to have both. If you told me I could have like three really good rares or I could have a good curve, I'm definitely taking rares. The archetype is certainly able to like play some removal, some card selection, and like rares are going to be really big. So yeah, give me that one. Like it's it's very nice to be able like if you're trying to win with commons, it's really nice to be able to like navigate the game the right way and everything. But like yeah, most of the time I'm losing this. It's because they played like a dragon, like the whatever the the smoldering egg or something. And Next up, is the one and two drop build the only successful skeleton without relying on rares, or is the more controlling build viable as well? There's just, it would be really hard for me to believe that you can build a controlling blue-red deck without rares in this format and win at a reasonable rate. I Like, maybe if you have, like, a lot of Seize the Storms exactly, but I think that deck would really struggle. Next up, are there any cards you might see as signals, reasons to draft this deck? I mean, the most obvious, I think, is just like our Festival Crashers tabling. And if so, am I also getting like late considers and, you know, support for them? Obviously, you know, if uncommons that are better than that are going late, it's an even stronger signal, right? Like if you get uh, like third or fourth pick Thermo Alchemist, that would indicate pretty strongly that no one passing to you is trying to do it. I'm not going to read a lot into like a moderately early play with fire, but like a late play with fire, I would read a lot into. I'm not going to read a ton into Delver just in general, because I don't know that someone's not in blue just because they passed a Delver, because they might just not think that they're going to like get enough spells for it. And then like, well, does it tell me that blue red exactly is open? I guess a little bit, but if blue's not open and red's not open, that's not going to do me any good. And then as far as like the kind of more mediocre uncommons, again, it's just, it's not very much of a signal. Someone easily could have taken a common removal spell over them or something. Next question. Have you played with Geist Flame Reservoir or Galvanic Iteration? 
I've played a little bit with Geist Flame Reservoir and it felt kind of sweet, but not actually um, good enough or my deck wasn't good enough. Like I've only played it when I had to kind of work for it or in a deck that was like very aggressive and also had it just because I wanted to try playing with it. And it was like fine in the like spot where it was an also ran. And when I was really relying on it, it was kind of sweet, but it's just the that's not what the format's about. It's like not good for the same reason that the book, the thing that draws a card, alternates between like Jam Daytime and Icy Manipulator isn't like as good as you want it to be where it might be good in other formats. I think that, you know, Geist Flame Reservoir is probably fine in some builds, but it's not something I'd be super excited about. It's, I, I'm not going to first pick it and see it as reason to play red, for example. Now as for Galvanic Iteration, uh, potentially fine, even harder to use. Next up, assuming you're in blue-red, would you consistently value something like Thermo Alchemist over more generalized high performers like Organ Hoarder? So Organ Hoarder does have like half a percent higher win rate in blue-red than Thermo Alchemist, but I believe that I would value the Thermo Alchemist more highly. One thing that I noticed when I was looking at the game in hand win rates for blue and red cards is that there are a lot of like rare and mythic bombs that I know are like actually really powerful that have not super impressive win rates. And I think that that's because this archetype is drafted so little that a substantial portion of the people who are drafting it are kind of forcing a substantial portion of people who are drafting it and have rares that are good in it are drafting it because they got those rares early and they're attached to it. And I would guess that those people have much worse decks than the people who are drafting it because it happened to be open. And so what I think happens is the people who just like opened the rare and drafted the deck because they had that rare end up with a lower win rate, which drags down the win rate for that rare. And it's not that the rare isn't actually good. It's just that like the situation of how they ended up in these color combinations is going to lead to a weaker version of the deck, which makes it look not as good. And I think to some extent, Thermal Alchemist is going to be in a similar spot where the stats suggest that it's a little bit weaker than it actually is because people get a little bit too attached to it. And if you can have it without, you know, forcing the color because you took it and just like, oh, I'm here and I saw this card, then I think it's going to be better than like comparable card that is just like a common. Also, just in my experience, I do think that Thermal Alchemist has been, been very impressive against me in blue-red decks. It's made it a lot harder to clock them and it does a lot of damage and it's, it's a card that I've lost to a good amount. Any advice on off-ramps if a mediocre draft is heading toward blue-red? Are there any uh, blue X combinations better for splashing red removal? I mean, yeah, it's the off ramp is always green. The off basically the off ramp anytime you're in any sort of train wreck is eccentric farmer specifically, because if you have eccentric farmer and you're seeing it, you know, moderately late, you might see more of them. And if you get farmers and evolving wilds and or farmers and pumpkins. Um, then it's very jack lantern then it's uh very easy to splash whatever you had so if you're like well i got two really good red cards and now i'm not seeing any more red how do i salvage this uh just like if you see a farmer you can pivot into green splash your red cards and you're all good outside of that 
the off ramp is going to be just like literally any wide open color you can identify, which is, you know, kind of a cop out answer because it's an off ramp for anything. Oh, I found an open lane. Great. Whatever you were doing, stop doing it and do that instead if the lane's open enough. Okay. Um, seeing none, I'm going to guess that, you know, just wrap up the short and maybe a little sweet, touch of sweetener um, episode here. And um, yeah, I hope, hope there was something here for you. Um, I know there's definitely some, I'm just going to say there's probably better content about blue and red decks than what I'm capable of, but I'm happy to try to speak to what people the, the um, patrons vote for and want to hear. And I did my best. Uh, thanks for listening and I'll be back next week. Speed.